0: Welcome to Charla Cultural, a little chat about culture from Asterix Journal and City of Asylum. I'm Carla Lamb. And I'm Adriana Ramirez. Today's episode is all about Franny Choi. Franny Choi is a writer of poems, essays,
1: and plays. She's the author of two poetry collections, Soft Science from Alice James Books, and Floating Brilliant Gone from Right Bloody Publishing, as well as a chapbook Death by Sex Machine from Sibling Rivalry Press. We'll kick off the show with a quick discussion of Choi's performance at City of Asylum, followed by her poem, Introduction to Quantum Theory. After a debriefing on the poem, we'll transition to an interview with Franny Choi, as well as the rest of her performance. Then we'll close the show with what we're reading and some remedies for the road. Welcome. Franny Choi
0: performed at City of Asylum. Uh, What was, what's the date on that, Yeah, so September 28th in 2019, forever ago. Franny Choi was in a lineup with Ilya Kaminsky, Tarfia Feizula, and City of Asylum um, writer-in-residence, Buketu Seum. And they performed with a band called The Possible Four. And yeah, just an international collaboration of poets with musicians and jazz in the background. But our whole thing at City of Asylum is a true collaboration. So between the musicians, it's not just it's not just like music in the background. It's actually like conveying the message of the poetry with the instruments and with like the emotion of the musicians. And we, (laughs) as somebody who has gotten
1: to perform on the stage Mm. with the musicians, I have to tell you, it's one of my favorite experiences that I've ever had. Um, and just to have jazz musicians who in particular are amazing at accompanying people i think
0: yeah because imagine like the the language barrier because a lot of the musicians that we bring in english is not their first language so we have rehearsals all morning and then the performance at night and to a sold out you know full house and back to back when we could gather yeah that's amazing feedback to hear because like as part of the city of asylum crew behind the scenes like that's really what we strive for is for the poets and the musicians to to truly have a connection beyond language beyond music it's it's really empowering for each for everyone involved and like magical for the audience <laughs> introduction to quantum theory
2: there are only so many parallel universes that concern us. In one, he isn't dead. In another, you drink light with your hands all winter. There is a universe in which no one is lying emptied in the street as the gas station burns. A universe in which our mothers never learned to wrap their bones in each small grief they found. There is a universe in which there is no difference between the past and the ground. Another where the oceans pull the moon, and so on. This is an incomplete list. It has been abridged for your comfort. I could tell you about the many universes in which bad things happen to people other than the people you love. Yes, in another life, it's someone else's sister who climbs to the roof that night. In another life, the boys rise darkly from the asphalt to choke the engines of cruisers, and no one gives birth chained to a hospital bed, and no one's child washes up blue ashore. Sure, you can have these worlds. You can warm them in your hands at night. Just know, that by signing here, you agree also to be responsible for the universe where the oceans glow red, the universe where what we call shadow is pulsing with the musk of hooves, and especially the one in which humans do exist, but only in the nightmares of small children. Will you hold that one too? The version of the story that never learned to consider sound, and the one where sound is only the opposite of metal, and the one where not even the sound of metal is enough to quiet the dead.
0: Yeah, that poem just, I like to close my eyes and just experience just the way Franny is enunciating every syllable and it just is really bringing me into the action. I wrote down a couple notes, just uh, the grief that I'm feeling from like what the poem is talking about, like the universe where like no one is lying emptied in the street and it's just a, such a um, concrete image, but it, it also speaks to, like, a bigger grief that we're all experiencing in today's world, you know, not only pandemic world, but pre-pandemic world where violence and grief was very much, like, at the forefront.
1: Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, for me, one of the things I love about this poem is that there are consequences, mm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Here is the universe where it wasn't your sister. mm but it was someone else's. You know, it's not a universe where the dead aren't dead. It's just a universe where it's not yours. Mm -hmm. But then here is the consequences, right? You can have these worlds. You can warn them, but no. You agree also to be responsible for the universe. Mm. Where? The oceans glow red. The universe, where da da da. And
0: I love the part where she's like, sign here, and agree to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's something here that matters. There's something here that's personally at stake for you. Mm. And so even this other universe has consequences.
0: And she addresses the universal you in the piece, like, right off the bat, like, right at the top. It's an us, Mm. I, before it. Oh, is that like implicating herself into it? Of course, right? Yeah. There are
1: only so many parallel universes that
0: concern us. But then there's a distance. Yeah, it's very I mean, but
1: so is the title, right? Introduction to Quantum Theory. Like, oh, that's a class you hate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or a class you love. I don't know. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there are only so many parallel universes that concern us. Could be like the beginning of a lecture.
0: Hmm.
1: In a way. But you're right, that that you comes in Mm -hmm. right there, you know, in another, you drink light with your hands. And now, you know, drinking light is delightful. I mean, Mm -hmm. it just makes me think of sitting under my sad lamp.
0: (laughs) No, maybe that's that's what she's talking about. (laughs)
1: Seasonal affective disorder. It's not a metaphor. (laughs) You drink light with your hands all winter. I do do that. Which leads us to our interview with Franny Choi. Uh, I had the opportunity to talk to Franny Choi right before she did this performance during rehearsals earlier in the day, backstage at City of Asylum.
2: So let's talk about the book. Okay, sure. So tell me about Cyborgs. So the kind of, like, origin story of the book, um, which feels a little far away from me right now, but it still stands, is um, that I was writing all these poems about, like, my own kind of, like, personal experiences with love and intimacy and, like, what it means to negotiate intimacy in the context of having a body that's been heavily fetishized and heavily, like, um... uh, like violated in the kind of like national consciousness sense yeah. um and um and i watched the movie ex machina um wherein was this character kyoko who is a i guess this is a spoiler alert but Ultimate it's badass. A, yeah well yeah but a, a a robot servant you could say sex slave um and okay. her, her um, uh, language abilities have been removed. So, like, in order to protect her boss, maker, enslavers, um, like, trade secrets of his company. And so, um, I, like... So there's this, like, silent Asian sex robot on stage, or on screen, and I have, one, never seen her before, and also have seen her my entire life at the same time, right? And so I think when I have that kind of feeling, like, two opposite feelings at once, then it's, like, poem time, you know? And so um, I started to write poems kind of like in her voice because mm. she never at, at no point in the film does she like speak or understand language um, although I would say her actions speak quite loudly yes definitely for sure for sure um Yeah, she's like totally subjugated, and then has this like one like moment of like breakthrough violence, which which is kind of serves as a critique
1: on exactly everything that you are saying. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Right here's this
1: moment of agency that only works because she has been denied agency up until this moment.
2: Right, but also that the agency in the film is tricky because it it, if you go back, kind of it does seem like maybe the the other the white robot is like has maybe conscripted her into this task or maybe mm. recruited her or something something's happened there's some right. sort of interaction between the white lady lets charge. yeah 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 but like but and then and then and then the woman of color does the dirty work mm. and then gets destroyed right like so um, that's about right actually. yeah 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 <laughs> um even though like she's she's the one that's like liberated the white. anyway it's like the the race politics in that film are like so complicated and fascinating to me um Anyway, I started writing poems in her voice because I was, like, even though I have this, like, like you know, to, whenever anybody says, like, I'm going to write a poem, like, a voice, I'm going to be a voice for the voiceless, it's, like, ugh, gross. But, like, this was, like, a fictional character who was, like, literally voiceless, so I was, like, okay, maybe this is a time that I can fly. <laughs> um, and it was really more, like, trying to imagine, like, like um, imagine a subjectivity, like, or, like, the richness of a subjectivity that this character was not given was not offered um, and so from there then I started to like understand the kind of like um, connections between those poems and the other poems that I was writing and out of that, this like sort of where the doesn't books that are kind of happen? Together. You realize you're sort of talking to yourself,
1: yeah, and it's like a huge conversation.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 I think like the 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 more I started to think about cyborgs and artificial intelligence and you know the relationship between like sex and technology, it was just like like every time I pulled up a thread, like a whole fucking knot. Um, like the enormous yarn ball like came out and so I was just like at a certain point i had to try to figure the the, the 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 task was to figure out what the boundaries would be because there was so there's so much you know you could write i could spend the whole rest of my life writing books about about these intersections yeah um But I don't, like, really want to, so.
1: Because Um, then it sort of becomes a responsibility, too.
2: Yeah, right, yeah. And I was never, I knew that I was never, ever going to be an expert on AI. I was never going to be an expert on Android life. And so I had to. Think that's okay. Yeah, right. And uh, so I was sort of like, okay, the only thing I can be an expert on is my own experiences, and so. Well, and letting
1: others enter into an experience that they hadn't previously imagined.
2: Yeah, or, and I, I hope also, though, that, like, that other like Asian American women and other like anyone uh, other folks who have share any part of like the constellation of identities of like Asian American immigrant queer femme like that that people find something of themselves. I mean, there. as a queer latina, mm-hmm. I certainly did. So, that worked. Cool. <laughs> that's that's really I mean, that's like the most like moving thing that anybody can say to me that like well, I found saw something of myself. I from. think there's a really interesting
1: conversation at some point to be had about just the the way that sort of being an immigrant creates a common experience mm-hmm. that we don't talk about the intersectionality of yeah.
2: really yeah
1: and so how being a latin american immigrant is maybe not that or being second generation or first generation mm-hmm. in this country has a, a Larger, more unification thing, or unification thing. uh, There's a lot more of a common experience Mm -hmm. than I think we acknowledge to one another.
2: Yeah, totally. So it
1: tends to be kind of these isolated works. You know, you just read like immigrant memoirs, and you're like, oh, we're
2: all talking to each other. Yeah, yeah. But
1: instead, I feel like so many of us are writing the same book. Totally, totally. And so I think that's kind of fascinating in and of itself.
2: But I also remember, like, my mom when I was growing up, that she like she would get along best with the other immigrant moms you know what I mean and like they would like she and like you know like my friends like polish mom would like just just chat it up and like neither of them were like great at english but they were like talking to each other i was as i was reading chat roulette and i i don't know why that's the one i picked this morning to Uh, refresh myself yeah yeah. but i was thinking
1: about Mm -hmm. it and i was like i feel like there's almost a little whitman with all the o's and the kind of the rhythm of it yeah and then there's like sylvia plath there oh yeah and (laughs) i was just thinking like there are so many threads of just different kind of poetic history that come mm-hmm. together in your work too. And I really appreciated that the way, and I think this is what I meant earlier was like, how do you fit into the conversation? Because I do feel like your work is in conversation with that idea of like the confessional poetry mm-hmm. or ekphrastic poetry mm-hmm. or, you know, the kind of the, Oh, captain, my captain. Mm-hmm.
2: Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 um, I feel really, uh, moved that you, Pulled out Whitman and Plath. I mean, there's like a there's like some definite Plath references in there, but, um, but yeah, Plath especially, I think is like has been so, um, has been such a like a figure, a figurehead, not a figurehead. What is what's the Has been a beacon of something (laughs) for me. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, has I mean, has yeah, has been has been like a a weird ancestor in the sky, and also the the funniest thing for me about Plath is also that like. that like when I started reading Korean poets in translation, Korean women poets um, of like the 80s and 90s, I, thought, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like so much kinship with this poetry and I have no idea why. And it turns out that's one of the reasons is because they all read Plath. And so we have this like sh- shared lineage through this this woman that we like, you know, like this. obviously some experiences oh, yeah. are shared, but like not all of them.
1: Well, think about how revolutionary it is to have confessional poetry from a woman's point of view. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the amount of time it took to filter out, you know, get translations, get stuff made, yeah. you know, make it so that it's available
2: to people. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it takes a generation. Totally, totally, yeah, yeah. And, and so, so, yeah, so that's, you know, I, I, I think of her, I think of Plath as sort of like a... Um, yeah, as an ancestor, but and also like you know, one one has complicated relationships with one's ancestors. Yeah. you know, and like <laughs> yeah. you know, you can be like, okay, grandma, like thanks for some of this stuff, and then and then maybe like don't stop stop with the other stuff, you know. <laughs> I, but I think they go kind of hand in hand, yeah. right? And I think that complication, like if if class had been perfect, we yeah. wouldn't need to. Yeah.
1: Be in conversation with her Right, right Right, right. and so to kind of take that Like, okay, so here is this I eat men like air Mm -hmm. Kind of moment, Mm -hmm, right Or mm -hmm. here, you know, peel my skin back And Mm -hmm. that kind of idea Which I see echoed in your work Mm -hmm. But it's from a not privileged white woman. Yeah. Right. And it's from somebody who has a really different experience of how to inhabit a body. Mm-hmm. And so it changes it when it's coming from your mouth and when, you know, you're reading it knowing who Plath was and where she came from. Mm-hmm. And so
2: I, I, I love that about it. Mm. Yeah, I think that it I think that maybe that's part of like what I imagine myself to be doing is taking is like like um, continuing on with like like a very imperfect lineage and yeah. and kind of like trying to wrestle with it and some of that includes like the, the well you like can masters. subvert as you reify yeah of course if that makes any sense yeah I mean I, I think that I think that if we can't have a complicated relationship with our with our ancestors, then, like, how could anybody possibly live in America? You know what I mean? Like, you can't, like, if, if it has to be either, like, I came from good stuff, so I'm good, or I came from bad stuff, so I'm bad, then, like, it, it, it how nobody could live like a fucking day you know yeah um, well I, and think I think that's th- one of the issues I have
1: with like not to get political but like about the you know a patriot equals this mm-hmm. and people making a list of like this is what a patriot is hmm. and so much of it is like not critiquing your country hmm. and to me I, I actually think that dissent is one of the most patriotic things you can do, mm-hmm. right? And so even just the way terms have been like, co-opted and shifted. and mm-hmm. I don't know, now is a time for language, for sure. Mm-hmm. And thinking about what it means to kind of be okay with complicating your ancestors. Yeah. It's okay if we take down a statue or two. Like... Yeah. And it's okay if we leave one or two up, maybe, two.
2: Sure.
1: So, it's supposed to be the right one. But, yeah, yeah. But I think acknowledging who we are is important as well. I'm working out that idea still.
2: No, I mean, I, but I think that that, that 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 makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, the, the role of dissent is, like... I mean, dissent can be and i think always for me needs to be an act of love you know and it doesn't necessarily have to be like i don't have to it's not that i that i like critique capitalism because i love capitalism but i critique capitalism and the histories of western imperialism because i i i love the People that it it are subjugated under it, you know. Like, yeah, yeah I don't know. There's a the che, che Guevara is, is like the the one what a Che Guevara quote that like I is like a the uh, always like a road forward for me, or like a compass is uh is. Let me say at the risk of sounding ridiculous that the true revoli- revolutionary is guided by strong feelings of love. Yeah, like that that. Yeah, that for me has to be part of the equation, always.
1: Well, and I think it's complicated, especially when you think about the way the colonialism and imperialism have, you know, Latinos are both. Like we are colonizer and colonized, mm-hmm. and it's in our body, yeah, right. And so we can't. It's always so interesting to me when I hear like Latino poets, you know, talk about being conquered, and it's like, yeah, but you also contain the colon. Mm-hmm.
2: Sure.
1: And it's this complicated history that you're, and it's never neat. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's why I gravitate towards things that aren't perfectly neat.
2: Yeah, and I think that for, for yep, yeah, sorry. No, no, no. This is you. Um, for for me, that's sort of like what what a lot of what drew me to the figure of the cyborg as being like inorganic and organic as being human and machine at the same time, that you have to contend with both of those. Um, and that that like, you know, there's a there's a poem in the end of the book that says, like all humans are cyborgs. and I really like that. If, if there's one lesson that people walk away from this book with it I hope it's that one yeah. um, that like all of us contain the things that that have um, tried to destroy us and contain the things that have survived that, that those attempts at destruction um, and that like loving ourselves means having to form a relationship with all of those parts whether that that's like it doesn't necessarily mean yeah. like you have to like be into the colony Or part of your heritage, or something, but like you have to have a relationship with it. Or at least acknowledge it. Yeah.
1: You know? So, and just to bring it back to the beginning a little bit, how do you feel when you're reading and you are the I? Because, you know, this is always the thing about a persona piece or writing in a different voice is that when you're on stage reading and you say, you know, I, Mm -hmm.
2: and your body being your body, Mm -hmm. your body kind of in some way takes on that role, doesn't it? Yeah. For me, it's always important to try to keep a little bit of something in the poem that only those who are closest to me will be able to, that w- will be able to pick up on. Mm. And like, it's not always, I don't know, I don't know if like, it works, you know, like, yeah. I don't know if it's like the Korean, the one Korean in the audience is going to be like, oh, I get that little bit and nobody else does. But like, I'm, I don't know, I have to try to make the attempt. Um, uh, gosh, I can't remember what the first part of your question was, though. That you are the I. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, about being the I, embodying the I. Um, Do people, like, misinterpret?
1: Like, during the Q&A, does it get real sometimes?
2: Well, y- y- yes and no. Like, I think that, um... I think sometimes, w- when the times that it feels the most prickly are when um, people say, like, I- I've read people... Um, read like reviews of the book and things where people will say like when she like Franny went to that room and slept with that man or something and it's like okay yeah I mean like it was it is true like some of the events in these poems are true but also like I don't know. Like the reason, like I made it a piece of art for a reason. You know, like it's 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 a poem for a reason and not just like me recording some sort of like confessional in a booth. You know, um, and like I I really do that think that once it was like that I was a part of me when I was writing it and then now that it's in the poem it's like both me and also like not like it's been shaped by the world and shaped by its environment like whatever else is in the poem too and then now it's like it, you know she's her own kind of like thing the speaker in my poems is like me and also not me um, and then that. yeah and then at the, at the same time sometimes I think people it, you know it seems like there's like a distinction that 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 some folks have drawn between like when you know there's like the cyborg poems and then there's like the Franny poems like the autobiographical poems and the cyborg poems and it's also like they are also all me at the same time you know. Um, Just the cyborg part of you. Yeah but but, I mean this is the thing it's like if you're a cyborg you are human you know like you are human and you are you, you do have, like, like, agency and freedom. You free shout out though, Donna Haraway, also don't you? Not. Yeah, sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I was like, I feel like I saw that. Yeah, in the, one of the epigraphs um, yeah. is, is her, but... Um, How could it not be? <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, you know, that the epigraphs are also, that's like a kind of a weird thing, too, because it's like, there's the, the Donna Haraqu- Haraway quote is... Um, what is it? We are excruciatingly conscious of what it means to have a historically constituted body. Um, well uh, done. <laughs> <laughs> you know your epigraph. Yeah, I, yeah, I do know my epigraph. <laughs> um, which is which and then and then for me the Banu Kapil quote is like is her saying like, ah yes and no, you know, like, yeah, you you do and you don't, you know. Um, and I think that like yeah, for me, Donna Haraway and Vanu Koppel are sort of, like, in an argument throughout this mm. book. Um, for the
1: record, the epigraph is, the rain is soft, the rain is hard, I don't know anything.
2: Right, yeah, yeah, Donna Haraway saying, we're excruciatingly conscious, and Vanu Koppel saying, like, I don't know, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, you know. <laughs> um, and, and you know, she's somebody also who I, I consider to be, like, I consider to be in, in lineage with Vanu with as well, so. And in some ways a lot more than Donna Haraway, you yeah. know. It's like, it almost feels like Daughter Haraway, like, came up with a great, amazing, super useful theory to talk about me and my grandma, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I'm not gonna, like, not listen to what my grandma has to say. Sure. You know, um, about it, so. You're so paranoid for Jose. A wall of cops moves like a wall of water on a barge, no beauty. A wall of iron swallows the woman who falls to the ground and keeps falling. There's a video, the picture stays intact again. It's not pretty, meaning it's hard to watch. When a poet says we have to keep our eyes open, I know who he's talking to, I don't listen. Or I listen long enough to hate him. If I say the woman dragged by her hair, if I compare it, I witnessed, meaning stood by the window, meaning shuddered, let hand fall gently over lips, pulled coat tight, tighter. A wall of cops, bucks like a frightened boar. If I describe it, will it speak? If I say it came furtive and dressed in red, the cops think cop thoughts, the cops move. They walk like a walk, like an economy, which, after all, is a fairy bucking with hunger, not pretty, not picture. I follow the border patrol agent through the airport thinking fast thoughts, blood fast bloodhound steps, he buys a burrito. If I say he stood alive in line and my friends are afraid to leave their bathrooms, my friends who I love and love and my friends who eat from plates, who plug cords into machines for singing. If I say a wall of men standing on my friends necks, if I describe it, my friends who slice plums illegally on soccer fields, whose knees move like knees into the grass. If I name the grass, if I call sweet liquor and smoke, if I say cloy, if the child shrieks as she swung, if the sun, if August, if blue juice, will it talk? The cops are thinking cop thoughts. They move with a wall inside them, answering machines, answering. The window rattles and I fall to my real knees. If I hoist my friends up so they can be seen, by whom? If I say they are beautiful, if I compare, if the sun touches the glass and I feel it, I try to listen to the Border Patrol agent ordering his food. I listen long enough, then walk to my gate. I feel ashamed and put it in my sleeve, and later I make it a picture like everything. The wall moves like a fairy, like a woman through an airport, like a wall. If I say I watch the woman brought down by her hair and watch the woman cry and cried, if the storm skips my door again, if I leave to kill another goat, if I promise my crop, if I paint the wall up and down in sacred W's, if I make it any color, will someone put it in her mouth? If I close my eyes, imagine it, if I imagine it, if I think of something to say. The cop speaks and I call a plum into his mouth. It doesn't shut him up. The cop kneels in the grass below my friends, my friends crowned with August and salt, my marigold, my wave. They laugh like a branch laughs. They make machines for singing. If I say a palm in the small of the back, if I say sun-warmed glass, if I say sunglass breaking open, the gate The world keeps ending and the world goes on. Before the apocalypse there was the apocalypse of boats. Boats of prisoners. Boats cracking under sky iron. Boats making corpses bloom like algae on the shore. Before the apocalypse there was the apocalypse of the bombed mosque. There was the apocalypse of the taxi driver warped by flame. There was the apocalypse of the leaving and the having left, of my mother unsticking herself from her mother's grave as the plane barreled down the runway. Before the apocalypse, there was the apocalypse of planes, There was the apocalypse of pipelines legislating their way through sacred water and the apocalypse of the dogs, before which was the apocalypse of the dogs and the hoses, before which the apocalypse of dogs and slave catchers whose faces glowed by lantern light. Before the apocalypse, the apocalypse of bees, the apocalypse of buses, border fence apocalypse, coat hanger apocalypse, apocalypse in the textbook's selective silences. There was the apocalypse of the settlement and the soda machine. The apocalypse of the settlement and the jars of scalps. There was the bedlam of the cannery, the radioactive rain, the chairless martyr demanding a name. I was born from an apocalypse and I have come here to tell you what I know which is that the apocalypse began when Columbus praised God and lowered his anchor. It began when a continent was drawn into cutlets. It began when Kublai Khan told Marco, begin at the beginning. By the time the apocalypse began, the world had already ended. It ended every day for a century or two. It ended, and another ending world spun in its place. It ended, and we woke up and ordered Turkish coffees, drew the hot liquid through our teeth as everywhere else. The apocalypse rumbled. The apocalypse remembered our dear, beloved apocalypse. It drifted slowly from the trees all around us. So loud, we finally stopped hearing it. Thank you all so much.
0: Um, so just kind of jumping right in, uh, I one of the takeaways was like Franny comes from a slam background, and um, you have some experience in that. And yeah. I personally really love the craft and the artistry of slam, though I'm not a slam poet. Um, but I don't think that exists but, anymore. Okay, yeah, let's talk about that. Because like, when I perform myself, like, I am using like you know, accented words and like the silence and like you know translating like white noise and I'm trying to like emphasize certain things like kind of like what I'm doing now but um
1: (laughs) you definitely have poet voice you definitely have poet voice voice. yeah yeah I mean I think poet voice is a a delightful cliche for a reason Mm -hmm. um I think slam poetry is certainly a part of it this is my poetry voice (laughs) um yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. that happens I don't actually use poetry voice and I try Mm -hmm. to coach people out of it wow um but I find I I find that more natural delivery Mm -hmm. and you know reading your poem in a way Mm -hmm. that is uh, reflective of your personality is really engaging and yet when I see people sometimes doing poetry voice really well Mm -hmm. and they hit those like little kind of scatting beats Mm -hmm. it is evocative of jazz Mm -hmm. and it does have like that really fun musical quality to it so this is what I'm saying like I can't I don't judge um, I think you have to be careful to not have every poem. Yeah, because do does, that. the default is like monotone a little bit. Oh my goodness. I have been to poetry readings, like, now I will read you my poem. This is my poem. Once in a fair field, I saw a damsel. <laughs> the damsel, oh, she was afraid.
0: Yeah, the and Lord. I'm already like thinking about, you know, what am I gonna have for lunch? No, one of the, I mean, honestly, okay.
1: As somebody who has been an organizer of poetry readings and poetry shows, as somebody who was um, a tournament director for the National Poetry Mm -hmm. Slam and Mm -hmm. all of those things, uh, I can definitely tell you that I have heard some really awful readings. I mean, I've heard at this point probably thousands and thousands of poems read out loud. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely tell you within the first 15 seconds whether or not, like, I gave a shit. And sometimes people turn it around. And in the middle of a poem, all of a sudden you'll start listening and be like, wait, what, should I have been paying attention to this whole time? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's on the poet for sucking. So <laughs> that's, yeah. that's how I feel about it. And so I know somebody's listening to it going, oh my God, do I suck? Yeah. Um, but I honestly I did for a long time Mm. as a reader and I really had to learn by listening to others Mm -hmm. what I liked and what I didn't like Mm -hmm. and I see so I think what's really fun about getting to listen to poets like Franny is that Franny is such an amazing performer Mm -hmm. that you can really look at what she's doing. I mean, even just in Introduction to Quantum Physics, Mm -hmm. the pacing of it. You could really feel the white space. You could feel the kind of the way the stanzas broke. And Mm -hmm. I I think that's so lovely that it didn't feel boring, even though you could
0: sense a lot of the
1: structure of how it was written.
0: Yeah, that's so engaging for like my psyche really and and like the tone connotes the emotion right so and then i think in part of the interview franny talks about like caring for the audience which i was just like jaw drop like what the hell i need to like do that you know and like so caring caring for the poem caring for the audience and then it's almost like she mentioned it like caring it's almost like a respect of like time because you are you got in your car and like came here to this reading so it's almost like a thank you like my performance is a thank you is a poet an entertainer ah yes right I mean, certainly
1: Amanda Gorman is an entertainer, absolutely. Mm, Okay, right. But is like, Mm. oh, I don't know. Like, even Joy Harjo, right? Mm -hmm. um, Our former um, National Poet Laureate. Mm -hmm. I don't have a clear, like, mental image of her as a performer the same way as I do Mm -hmm. of Amanda Gorman. And is that a youth thing, a generational thing? Mm -hmm. Or is that somebody who grew up reading their poems in a performative way and comes from a much more like, Aural tradition. Uh
0: I'm thinking of, yeah, exactly like the oral tradition of performance. And right, like none of... It's one of those cases perhaps with like Joe Harjo. Like, does the work stand on its own where you don't need the... Added layer of performance. Oh,
1: absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like Joy Harjo is a phenomenal page mm-hmm. poet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, like our first Native American poet laureate and mm-hmm. somebody definitely worth venerating, mm-hmm. but just not somebody that I think of mm-hmm. as being like the biggest stage performer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or even somebody like. Oh, I don't even know. Like, T.S. Eliot, Mm -hmm. who's so dense on the page, Mm -hmm. right? And so part of the joy is looking up all the references and, you know, kind of knowing, oh, where does this come from and how is this put together and what does this even mean? Mm -hmm. You know, when you juxtapose that with what, like, Franny Choi is doing and especially with the music backing Mm -hmm. her up and Mm -hmm. the way she's really putting on a show and really provoking me to think and to engage with her work while at the same time, like, entertaining the shit out of me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then she's, like, looking right at the audience, too, and just kind of unfazed, though. I feel like her her face was just, like, very, like, straightforward, and there's um, emotion, there's just, her work just carries all the emotion that she doesn't have to, like, perform with her hands right. necessarily, you know? Yeah. I And I think you can definitely see how, mm-hmm. like, polished she is as a performer. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that took, like, years and years of, like, trying, failing, slams, you know, cafes. But that's the thing, it's, like, putting in the hours, right? Mm-hmm. And really putting in the time. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: people think some people are just natural performers. Um, I remember this woman came up to me once and she was like, but you're just naturally able to read well and I was like nothing about this is natural (laughs) you know like I am an introvert who has massive stage fright and anxiety my ability to overcome it constantly and get on stage Mm -hmm. but the thing is I'm so nervous because I care so much Okay, yeah, I love that. And so I'm up there, and I'm nervous because I want to put on a good show, I want people to like me, I want you to buy my book, remember my name, you know, and I want to compete with your phone, with every other piece of, like, stimulating thing that is trying to draw your attention. So when I'm up there on stage, I want to be like, nah, dude, like, here is the power of listening to me, doing a poem, Um, and... I'm not even a tenth as good as Franny Choi is. You know what I mean? So, like, for me getting to see someone like Franny Choi... Yeah. Do that, it just... It evokes such an old school, like, sitting around the fire, mm. listening to a troubadour kind of dude, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it also connects it to, like, the contemporary and, you know, the moment that exists now, honestly. Oh, okay. Like, when Freddie was talking about Sylvia Plath mm-hmm. and connecting to other um, Korean women poets mm-hmm. through Sylvia Plath, it really just brought me chills and made me realize how... My personal relationship with poets is so artificial at the same, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Like Sylvia Plath really belongs to the world, and yet I have this like fun teenage relationship with her because Mm -hmm. I read her poems so much when I was in high school. And now, here's what we're reading. The part of the show where we discuss what we're reading and some remedies for the road.
0: Okay, so what's going on? What have you been reading? What have you been up to? Uh, what have I been reading? Okay, so I've been kind of obsessed with Faye Hernandez, a poet from Los Angeles, I wanna say. Um, I brought their book, and yeah, I had the good fortune of being able to uh, host a Latinx and Proud event last month where they were the featured poet. Hood Creat- Creatura is like an amazing ah, book and That's Hood Creatura. Ah, Hood. Yes. yes. That's awesome by Faye Hernandez. Sandra's Publications And, yeah, they were amazing to work with. And I'm working my way through this incredible um, debut collection. That's a great cover, too. It's it's purple
1: and illustrated, and it shows the poet kind of, in a way that kind of evokes, like, clown makeup, but in a way that's also kind of like when you go to the testing counter at Sephora. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) But it's really well done and kind of beautiful, and I love the one big open eye.
0: Mm. And it's a little bit, like, feminine and also so androgynous and I think and it also has like this edge like this street kind of culture to it and by culture I mean like street cred (laughs) like the, the the clothing is baggy and yeah it's just so evocative um I first learned of Faye Hernandez through a Zoom poetry reading where they were a guest and then I was just like immediately drawn to their work. Um, You've been so good about
1: attending those. I mean, I know part of it is your job, but I feel like you go to many just as, you know, an audience member.
0: I do, the Zoom poetry readings have been honestly like a lifesaver. When I feel disconnected, not only from the literary world, from the poetry world, I just, you know, look online and see what's going on and see what people are doing, and and then I'm immediately, just, inspired again. Oh my god, I'm excited about poetry again and always. But
1: love yeah. that no matter what happens, creativity doesn't die.
0: Yeah, I'm a I'm a little baby um, when it comes to TikTok. I was like, yesterday years old. Um, so. <laughs> I'm just, just on it. And I realized like TikTok is, a, is like a happier place, um, compared to like Instagram or any other social media that I, um, interact with. But I also learn a lot and it's so time consuming, like how these creatives are just putting out videos that are so, um, so many elements, moving parts and like special captioning and like, you know, aware of, um, accessibility and I just kind of feel behind, like I feel old, (laughs) but I'm getting, I'm, I'm learning. Well, you know, um, and this goes to what I'm reading. I'm actually Mm -hmm.
1: reading a galley of, um, Liz Huerta's new book, The Last Dreamer. And it is uh, phenomenal. It's Mesoamerican, um, fantasy, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's so much more than that. And it's really about power and womanhood and voice. Um, and Liz Huerta is massively on TikTok.
0: Okay. Um, let's talk about Remedios. What's coming up at City of Asylum? I'm super excited for this artist showcase that I had the personal honor of curating and producing. So the event is called Nejma Nefertiti's Valley of the Queens Artist Exhibit and it'll be March 30th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Nejma Nefertiti is a hip-hop artist based in Brooklyn and she's an entrepreneur, an incredible lyricist, just like chills. You know when she what w- can we when expect? she takes like when, the what what is the takeaway from this? What do you yeah. think is going to be awesome about it? Oh my god, it's going to be super cool. So Najma curated a lineup of internationally prolific MCs, poets, theater artists, dancers, singers, and musical composers and revolutionaries. So they created little vignettes. Of their of their music or of their art of their artistry, and she we're showcasing this. It's uh, virtual, nice. so it's like a it's like an awesome playlist curated oh gosh, by yeah. a badass MC. Uh, it's gonna be incredible. Yeah, it's free. Um, you can find it at uh, cityofasylum.org. March thirtieth, and it's gonna be dope. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dope AF, that's the official word from Carla yeah, Lamb. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, for us in Asterix Journal, we encourage you to check out our In Residence series, um, Everything is Temporary by Nicole Callahan. Um, Nicole Callahan has such a compelling story. Um, she's been writing poems every day, um, but it, it's a little bit more complicated. In September 29th of 2020, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And after a double mastectomy, a lymph node di- Section radiation and hormone therapy um she can continue to write poems and make art every single day um so she's been making these recordings and we posted them online at asterix and there are images that accompany these poems in these series and honestly like what i have to say is we often say things like oh write this poem as if it were the last thing or Mm -hmm. if it were your legacy wow but in nicole's case it you know, she's really dealing with her mortality in a way that is so complex and to really commit to making art, um, during such a trying time. You know, every time I get sick, I'm just like a mess Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't think like, oh, I'm dealing with cancer. I'm going to write poems. I'm going to make art and make something beautiful
0: from this. And I've really appreciated the way that Nicole's done that Wow that's incredible So I, Are they just gonna be Are like super short Poems or Yeah like And daily? so they're
1: They're posting um, A few every week Okay um, And they're just gonna Build up over time And just be mm. You know Sort of an installation And mm. a chronicle Of what she's going through As it's happening Yeah uh, And so that's up At asterixjournal.org um, Or .com Both work So um, Check us out um, A-S-T-E-R-I-X um, yeah. Just so you know Well like it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll link it. We'll link it in the show notes, obviously. Alright. Well thank you so much for listening. This is the first episode of Charla Cultural with Carla Lam and Adriana Ramirez, Brought to you by Asterix Journal. It's City of Asylum. City of Asylum builds a just community by protecting and celebrating creative free expression. Asterix is a transnational feminist literary arts journal. Co-founded by Angie Cruz and Adriana E. Ramirez. Committed to social justice and translation. Placing women of color at the center of the conversation. Charla Cultural is hosted by Carla Lamb and Adriana I. Ramírez. Voice of Goddess is Alexis Jabour. Editorial support by Clarissa A. León. Production design and brand management by Little Owl Creative. Our theme song is Colombia Folk by Luis Alfonso. And thank you as always to our sponsors, Asterix Journal and City of Science.